0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this day for the hope and the promise that we have by your Word. Lord, that as you speak, your words have power. Lord, and crazy stuff happens. We thank you this day that as you speak and you break this word small, fit for our consumption. In your name we pray this. Amen. I grew up in the middle of the Midwest. There wasn't an ocean coast within eight hours of either side of me. The closest thing that we had to any significant body of water was the Mississippi River, or maybe the Lake of the Ozarks, or if you went a little further north, possibly Lake Michigan. But when this Midwest kid had the opportunity with scouts to go and go whitewater rafting down in the southeast I jumped at the chance and so we went down and we were on the Ocoee River which if you don't know was the whitewater site during the Atlanta Olympics it's a man-made engineered river and it's beautiful and has good class four class five rapids I had no idea what that meant And so as we come around, the guide turns and he looks and he says, Hey, you, do you want to ride the bull? <laughs> yes! I have no idea what that means, but it sounds awesome. He says, well, you sit up on the front of the raft, you put your legs over and you hang onto to the D-ring. And as we came down and we hit the next rapid, Next thing I knew, I was in the back of the raft, and the guide was holding on to me before I went out. I have a healthy respect for water. And in our gospel text for today, and I would invite you to turn to it if you've brought your Bible along with you, or as you follow along with our sermon outline available. In our gospel text for today, Jesus has been preaching and teaching and parables to the crowds, and then he turns to his disciples and says, let's go to the other side. Let's pack everything up, let's get in the boat, and let's go to the other side. And it says, and I love the way that the gospel text says this, that they went and got in the boat and took him with them, just as he was. Now, Jesus was a landlubber. He was a carpenter by trade and had no business commanding any kind of authority on the water. And so he goes and he falls asleep in the stern of the boat on the cushion that is there. And he is suddenly and very rudely awakened as the disciples come in a great panic. Because a windstorm has arisen and water is now pouring into the boat. These men were fishermen. Fishermen. This was where they spent their life and made their livelihood, was on the water. They had water running through their veins. It was part of who they were as people. And in a great panic and fright, they turned to the one guy you shouldn't ask for advice from, and say, do you not care that we are perishing? Now, that happens for one of two reasons. Either they are incredibly desperate and they need an extra set of hands to start bailing more water out of the boat, or they actually think that Jesus is who he says he is and can actually make a difference in the situation. You see, the struggle is real. Real. And the imperfection of their circumstance was the perfect opportunity for Jesus to demonstrate the fullness of his power. See, we struggle with the balance between knowing on the one hand and believing on the other that God has everything under control. Jesus' take the wheel makes for a great song lyric, but actually applying it sometimes can be nearly impossible in our life. But storms always bear an element of uncertainty that calls for greater faith. I went to seminary in the same city that I had grown up in, and then our vicarage assignment was in a little suburb outside of Oklahoma City on the north side of the state. And so while we were on our way to go get settled in for vicarage, we had gone out to visit my folks in Denver, Colorado. And as we were coming back through eastern Colorado and into Kansas, the rain starts coming down in buckets. The wind is howling and we start to get concerned and so we call my father-in-law who is a truck driver and is really well adept in reading the weather and knowing where to stop on the side of the road and he says, I just got an alert and it says if you are at mile marker 11, There's a tornado there. Where are you guys at? Ten and a half. (laughs) And the hail is coming down hard enough that we think it's going to shatter the windshield. Our oldest daughter was about... Eight weeks old and our son was in the back seat frightened because we could not tell if the size of the hail was big enough to shatter the glass. There was enough hail that they had to eventually bring out the snow plows in the middle of July and plow it off of the highway. See, when we get into situations in our faith walk with Christ, where the hail has come down, the water has risen, and the wind never ceases, and we feel like we're about to be blown off of our feet and drowned in the water, it's hard to handle somebody saying, don't worry, God's got this. But I'm going to say it anyway, God's got this. And He does this in amazing ways as He gives us His Word and His promise. You see, Jesus has just taught His disciples and the crowds in several different ways about how God provides for His people. How God has got it all under control. And now, in the sober reality of the storm, they come to Jesus and they struggle with what this actually means. Do you not care, Lord? Do you not care, teacher, that we are perishing? And so after everything is calm. Jesus turns to the disciples and he says, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? See, this really is not the best way to translate it, because what it actually says in the text is, Why are you being such a coward? Why are you being... Cowardly, why are you being timid? See, and elsewhere in Scripture, God tells us that He has not given us a spirit of timidity but one of power. The disciples' circumstance is bookended between a great windstorm at the beginning, a great calm in the middle, and then they are filled with this great fear over Jesus' authority. Now see, in Hebrew language, in Hebrew culture, this kind of fear was like an awestruck reverence. A healthy respect. You see, the answer to our perishing is constant. Even, and I would say, especially, while we struggle to hold on. You see, here clearly Jesus sees what we cannot, we cannot mistake God's silence to our prayers or plight for any kind of indifference. As they are struggling against the wind and the waves, Jesus is soundly asleep in the back of the boat, seemingly disconnected. But then they come, And they say, don't you care that we are perishing? And you can almost hear Jesus wanting to say, yes! Don't you know that is why I'm here in the first place? But the perishing that you're worried about is that of today. Of what happens to your body and I am here because I am worried about the perishing that happens to your soul. And instead of saying anything to them, He stands and rebukes the wind and the waves and says, Peace, be still. And we talked about this in Bible study this morning because the word... That is used for be still. Is the same word that means to muzzle. To tie up. To bind shut. As if to say to creation. Close your mouth before your master. I'm in control. And God's got this. So while we get lost in the waves of minutiae those tiny little things that would seek to drown us, God keeps His focus on the whole picture. Jesus was absolutely concerned about their perishing. But He was looking well beyond just the brokenness of their bodies. And so as they... See Jesus rebuking the wind and commanding the sea to be still. They marvel at the way creation listens because his voice was not unfamiliar to them. It was the same voice that they heard God speak in Genesis 1 where he says, Let there be light, let land rise out of the water. Let there be expanses in the sky and creation comes into being as God simply speaks. But as fishermen, this wasn't the first or the last storm the disciples encountered. God's plan For redemption included all of creation. You see, this passage precedes what is about to happen next as they go from the side of the Galilean Sea where the Jews live to now to the Gerasenes where the Gentiles dwell. This all takes place proclaim that the forgiveness of sins is poured out for all people. So often we talk about this peace that transcends understanding. We have no idea in our rational mind how it works when Jesus tells the wind and the sea to say, peace, be still, and they actually do it some days we say you know i feel at peace with this decision i feel at peace with what's going on in my life i feel at peace in the middle of the storm and yet peace is more than just a feeling but this peace that transcends understanding comes from outside of us and in fact, this peace comes only from God. As He speaks to us through His Word and through His promise in that Word and says, I forgive you. When there are worse things than dying or perishing, the imperfect storm becomes the perfect place to know God's grace and hold fast to his life because God's peace covers over all of our fears and calls us to a living faith that never perishes so that whether we stand in storm or sun God always gets the glory. Now and forevermore. Amen.